0: It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to the Business Edge with your host, Marsha Zeidel. Learn from savvy, street-smart entrepreneurs how to make the leap from running a stressful business that's always putting out fires to leading a successful company that is innovative, productive, profitable. Now, here's Marsha Zeidel.
1: Welcome. The business edge giving street smart advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders and how to take their company, firm, or organization to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to create and grow great businesses that matter, those that do well and do good. I'm Marcia Zidel, the Smart Moves coach and speaker, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. My motto is, if you do what you've always did, you will get what you've always got. Therefore, move outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. So let's start right now to bring some magic to your leadership and business with Marsha's Musings.
2: It's time for Marsha's Musings, a tasty morsel of wisdom and wit to take the growing pains out of growth.
1: Are you building bridges or walls? Too often I see daily interactions that result in unnecessary misunderstandings, hurt feelings, and at times nasty conflict. What causes this? There may be many reasons, but one that stands out is how we communicate with others, whether it's our coworkers, peers, or even our boss or customers. Unwittingly, we tend to build walls, but we can turn that around, and instead, we can build bridges. Here are two simple communication tips. First, replace yes, but with yes, and. A yes-but response says you disagree with the speaker. Also, a yes-but response makes them wrong. A yes-and response shows you may have a different point of view and would like to express it. This helps to prevent the conversation from becoming a battle over who's right and who's wrong. Second, a well-known quote from Stephen Covey, Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Think of a recent conversation you had. Were you listening fully to what was being said? Or were you thinking about how you were going to respond? Did you check your understanding of what you heard before responding? Or did you just assume you knew exactly what the other person was saying? When we listen with the intent to understand others, rather than with the intent to reply, we begin true communication and relationship building. So here's a smart moose tip. These two changes in your conversation with others will make a big difference in your interactions with them and help build bridges and not walls. Listeners, do you want to be a more effective communicator? Get my article, Seven Habits of Highly Emotional, Intelligent People. Contact me at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A at smartmovescoach.com or call 972-380-9181.
2: You're listening to Marsha Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach. Making sure you're on the right track and not getting sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability.
1: Today's program carrying out the theme of building bridges is diversity as a business strategy. According to my guest, Telvin Jeffries, diversity has to be more than a moral business imperative, but a catalyst to achieving business objectives. Not only are we in a global market where we must compete with people of different cultures and backgrounds, we must also recognize that the United States is now highly diverse and these audiences have considerable economic power. The real question leaders and business owners have to ask themselves is, how can I leverage the intellectual and creative ability of my diverse talent? Telvin is with us today to help answer that question. He has driven organizational development and change for well-known retail chains for over 20 years. As a global chief human resource officer, Telvin has overseen leadership and development, talent acquisition, performance management, and employee onboarding and exit strategies at the enterprise level. And now he is the CEO and founder of Career Justice. Couragistics. Welcome, Telvin. It's a pleasure to have you on the show.
3: Good afternoon, Marcia, and thank you for having me today.
1: And I just muddled your um, company name, so how do how yeah, should I it's, pronounce it's it, it's and I apologize. Word.
3: Pardon? Career and logistics. Career-gistics.
1: Career-gistics. Okay. Sorry about that. So, Let's move on um, because this is an extremely important topic. And some people may say that, oh, that was important in the 90s or, you know, in, in the 20s, you know, or the 2000. But we've come past that. And I don't think we have. So let's really start with the basics. Is there a working definition of diversity for you?
3: Yeah, Marsha, I, I think uh, you're right in that uh we have all kind of gotten a little bit uh, I would say myth with the idea of diversity when you use when we when we say the word uh, because while many of us may believe that there has been progress, there are many people who would say it hasn't um, and you know I, i'm I'm in between on on those issues, but I think about it in terms of It's really today, for most people, it's about fairness and inclusion of gender, race, ethnicity, uh, generation. There's a lot of conversation today uh, in the media around sexual orientation. We have broad issues and discussions around national status. Uh, We even have some of the other events that have happened in the last year with the post Uh, you know, in our post-war era that we've had around veteran status, and and that leads to disability conversations and things even beyond disability. But then there's another piece that a lot of times we don't think about, and and it's really levels within an organization and even tenure within a company. So, you know, we could take all of these things, these labels that I just used, um, because I like to be inclusive when I address my definition, it's really about fairness and inclusion when there is a difference. Right. And that means all of us uh, play some role or fall into a diverse segment.
1: Right. We are, you know, if you look at it, we are part of, the, of different groups. For example, I'm female. Okay, that's simple. Um, um, if you haven't figured out, I'm I'm originally from the East Coast. That's another group. Um, And I'm left-handed. And I find that so interesting because I tend to gravitate to people when I see them writing. I say, oh, you're left-handed as well. And there's there's that immediate connection. Does it mean that I don't um, get along with people who are right-handed? Not really. But there we, you know, there's so many different groups that we can be part of. Um, any thoughts on that matter? As you were talking about, No, yeah, we. Inc- I, mean, I,
3: I think it's you know, this is this is probably where we've gone a little bit off of the farmer, gone into the ditch on the issue of diversity. I think it's natural to want to spend time or associate with people who are like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 sometimes we kind of can demonize people when people want to be and connect where they have a feeling of belongingness. It's natural. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've moved to some ditches and and you know my belief around diversity and culture, is let's find a really strong middle ground and let's like go to the either the ditch on the left side of the road or the <laughs> right side of the road. And I think it's very easy to do it.
1: Right. Um, so let's move. You know, we've been talking about diversity more generally, and you've given your, your definition of diversity, uh, which encompasses fairness and inclusiveness of differences. But... Now let's do a little deeper dive, and how do you embrace diversity in the workplace without changing the way you operate your business?
3: Well, I think the business environment ought to not necessarily think about it in terms of a rule or compliance, but I like to use the term, and it's not my term, but I like to use the term that companies win when they deploy cognitive diversity. And well, I
1: I'm, 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 I'm just want you, are you going to go into the definition of cognitive diversity? Because that's a term I've not heard of.
3: Yeah, you know, cognitive diversity is when you move beyond fairness and inclusion and you start to think about how do we leverage
4: uh-huh.
3: really the diversity of all people, diversity of thought, that we're open about the differences that others bring, but we create an environment where there is openness, and it's not that everyone's opinion matters, but everyone gets to contribute and is heard when we're talking about how we solve problems, how we innovate, how we create. And how we address even you know our customers or our clients' problems we mm-hmm. develop new products, so it really gets to be a focus around a business that's open and it's leveraging it and you said it earlier about one of my beliefs is how do we leverage intellectual and creative capital of all
1: people that is a very um, something that we all, um, that is very noble. That's my first thought. It's very noble. Yeah. But, you know, we have to get, how does it actually get done? Can yeah. you give some examples of that?
3: Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, I, I think part of it, it's a decision. Um, and you have to recognize, you know, we always talk about the business case. But one of the things we do know, and, and I think there's some, there has to be kind of a substratum or a basis for why I think this is important. The first part is that we know that diverse teams, and, and, and this, is, this is research that's been done on actual global companies. Mm-hmm. We know that diverse teams are normally up to 20% more productive than non-diverse teams. We've also seen that the companies that have diverse executive teams generally in the market, in market value, they're probably about 10 or more points higher in market value than others. And what actually happens, these are environments that say we recognize that while the U.S., for example, is the biggest economy uh, in the world, it only represents 20%. Of the global economy, hmm. we take large population like China, right, right. and it's mm-hmm. still less than twenty percent of the global population so it, so that leaves the rest of the world now, so think about it. we have people who have diverse cultures, diverse backgrounds mm-hmm. actually feeding this econ- feeding the world economy, but now, we, in the U.S., for example, we have access, because we're the great melting pot, we have access to all of that talent with these different experiences. So the question gets to be, now, do I have a place and an environment where everyone gets to contribute? And that, to me, is about how you do business. It's a cultural thing. It's not oh, well, we just decide today that we're going to listen to everyone. No, this is what we do. Why? Because we know that if we are able to put diverse teams together on projects where we actually say you have to be able to get along Mm -hmm. and you have to achieve a defined result over a a specific time, now it's that you've created – Really, a pathway for it to work, versus that you're trying to manage it. And I think that's what's wrong with a lot of diversity initiatives. We're trying to manage people around things that have nothing to do with the business. Ah, uh, into what, a place versus creating the environment for it to happen.
1: You know, the the word that comes to my mind is building a culture for it. Is that yes. what you're talking? Yes. Yeah. And, and- And um, how does one do that? And you may be getting into that, you know, uh, during the second segment. But um, can you talk a little bit about culture and how does that fit into it?
3: Well, you know, it it starts with companies, I think, have to be honest about who they are
0: and Mm -hmm. how. And
3: I I use the word when I think of culture, I say culture is how we get things done around. here.
1: Right. Mm -hmm.
3: Right. And it's not so much. Um, you know, you have to ask yourself when you hire people, you, you ask yourself, can you do the job? Now, will you do the job the way we like it to be done?
4: Uh-huh.
3: Now you have to ask yourself, is the way that you, the way that we hear from you, the way that we allow you to contribute, does it, do we really want what you have to bring or do we want you to do it the way we want it to be done now that's a leadership issue to me
1: right right but at the same time uh, there may be certain values that the company upholds that then are put into practice so that there are they may have certain ways of doing business that fits certain. with their value system
3: and you and 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 when I think about and values of you know values are the values to me they're the root of culture right right and then the actions that we see are the fruit of the culture we have to ask ourselves and and i think about this all the time when we when we have conversations about who do we hire Mm -hmm. one the question is What are the real competencies for the job? Like, do we really know what competencies actually produce the results we want, not the perceived competencies or what we think? Do we actually know, have we done the hard work to say, this job, if it's done this way, it produces this result, and is this the result we want? Now we can back up and say, well, who are we actually? Who who's the who are the stakeholders? Are the stakeholders? And I think a stakeholders is definitely internal, but also the real stakeholder we ought to be thinking about is the customer, who's on the end of it. And are we are we creating an environment that facilitates the best in product for our consumer? Now, I already told you about the diversity we know that exists in the consumer. So am I missing out on how to get things done faster, quicker, in a, in a way that actually helps me compete with, with a, in a global economy if I don't listen to hmm. my employees, if my employees don't have a way to contribute to how we do business? And I'll make one last point.
1: Well, can you hold that point? Just hold it because it's time for a short break. I'm Marcia idol, the Smart Moves Coach, and my guest is Telvin Jeffries, talking about diversity as a business strategy. In the next segment, Telvin will be getting into some of the real-world or practical implications in diversity practices. So stay tuned.
5: From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network.
2: There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidle, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com.
5: Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded best of staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com That's 1-800-411-6401 or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G.com.
3: Have you ever heard of someone who felt stuck in a challenging situation, feeling sideswiped by an event that took their success path off course? Glenn Ramsey, the entrepreneur blind spot coach, will help you to identify the unnoticeable reasons why you've derailed and get back on track with your KPI goals. Get realigned with success and connect with Glenn, the blind spot coach at Glenn at InspireNexus.com to schedule your free discovery coaching session today. That's Glenn, G-L-E-N at InspireNexus.com.
5: up-to-date business and financial news call now and get the financial information you need 866-472-5790 866-472-5790 the experts are here voice america business network
0: you're tuned into the business edge with marcia's idol
1: Welcome back to the Business Edge. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium sized companies build the leadership and talent to grow great businesses that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest is Telvin Jeffries, CEO and founder of CareerGistics, talking about diversity as a business strategy. At the end of the last segment, Telvin had a, an important point he wanted to make. So, can, so, Telvin, can you talk about that and then we're going to move on?
3: Yeah. The one point I want to call out, and I think, you know, when we, the millennial generation, which today is about 50% of our current workforce, in nine years it's going to be 75% of our workforce, I think they're challenging all of us in the marketplace around how we look at diversity. And I think on and, and they're challenging people on both sides of the aisle on this issue. And their idea of diversity is really this, the blending of different backgrounds and experiences and perspectives on a team to get the best results. And they believe that it's what's going to drive the most positive impact on the business one, because the leadership in itself is being extreme, it's forcing transparency of the leadership, it's forcing two-way communication, and it's more engaging of the workforce. And I don't think any of us could argue that we are in a, we're in a world where we do have to leverage and communicate and interact with a lots of different from people from different backgrounds cultures and experiences and not tolerate them but really figure out like what do you have to bring this is not about hiring people or having people on your team that aren't talented and aren't qualified that mm-hmm. to me is the table stake. the question is now that i have them in my organization am i leveraging them do they get to speak up do they get to show up every day so when I say think beyond diversity, it's about how do you let everyone show up? And I think the millennials are calling us to a great challenge. we got to be honest. They're taking
1: over in terms of numbers. <laughs> you know, the, the phrase that comes to my mind is not that we should not be feeling we have that we. To tolerate, but to appreciate. If we Mm -hmm. change from tolerate to appreciate, it changes our perspective. Um, And so uh, I like what you said, and now I would like to move on uh, because I think the the listeners out there want to know what are some real world or practical implications in diversity practices. This gets to, in my sense, of how do you do it, or how is it done? So what are some of, what are some of the ideas that you'd like to present?
3: Well, I think um, there, there are some real basic practical implications. You know, one of the things that I see very, very helpful in organizations is having the leaders, having the management team, really work hard on cultivating relationships with the people uh, at the lowest levels of the organization having very set times where they're, they're either panel discussions where the where teams members can ask questions, where they're ta- you know, doing almost town halls. And, and, and it doesn't matter the size of your business. It's important to hear what people think and allow them to ask you questions. One of the things I learned when um, – and and, and and I'm – I'm a little bit ashamed to say this, but one of the things that I learned when I was actually uh, in one of my first management jobs, um, it was more a middle-level management job, but what I learned was going to a distribution center and talking to the people on the floor Mm -hmm. who who, as I walked, I learned that they knew more about what was really happening and where we were losing money and losing mm-hmm. productivity mm-hmm. then the managers knew.
1: Yep. And I've had the, like, oh, I've I've had had the same experience. So continue. Yes, very important. And, and
3: so one of the things that I always did, no matter what size, and, I, and I, I recommend this to my clients, is to create these regular touch bases, not with your direct reports. You have that all the time but with the lowest level people and let them tell you what they see, what they feel, but ask questions. And how do you get that? You ask questions around business initiatives, around business goals. And when I get to tell you what I see, and I see you actually at least investigate it, and I actually... Then come back and give and acknowledge you for bringing it up, or I give you credit if mm-hmm. we actually change something. Guess what? Now I don't care what segment I'm in of the groups that we talked about.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I got to show up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I know you value it. And so when I think about this, is why I go. Why I love the idea of cognitive. Uh, diversity, it's because I'm really, I'm getting past those things that divide us. Mm-hmm. And that's what the workplace wants. That's one example. I can give you more.
1: Yeah, give me another example.
3: Yeah. Oh, the other is, you know, we, we all do, we think about um, a lot of our organizations are doing projects around cause marketing.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And so the question is, what you know and my audience you know i'm i'm working with a company right now who they have about 40 people uh, i'm sorry they have about 150 people but 40 uh, they, they represent 40 different nationalities i'm sorry 40 yes. different nationalities but they call out specifically that you know they, rep- they have they have stations in their facility that actually talk about what that community is like. But what they do is, they, when they think about their cause marketing initiatives, they consider not necessarily what, it, what it's going to do, how it looks to their customer, it's can they get their audience, their employees
2: Yeesh. behind it. <laughs> because mm-hmm. it
3: relates to things that drive them, that motivate them, which gets them the ability... To connect to a broader audience that they wouldn't have gotten if they hadn't have done that, right? So again, what is it that what are they doing? They're giving their employees a chance to show up.
1: Up. Great, um, two very good examples. Um, so let's
3: uh, let me these ask. these do not cost any extra money.
1: Right. I think that, and that gets into the benefits of diversity in the workplace. You're not spending a lot of money, but what are you getting when you do this? So what are some of the benefits?
3: Yeah, I think one, you know, what, what I see for people is one, they, they find new segments of customers, which is mm-hmm. what I think all of us want. hmm <laughs> Number two, they engage their employees and we know em- engaged employees actually give more discretionary effort, which should show up in the bottom line. Mm-hmm. We have better retention.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: There are a lot of organizations who really figured out how to employ cognitive dissonance, basically tie that around actually product creation.
1: Do you have an example of that? Yeah, um, well, I, I would tell you
3: that, and you can think on a, on a, very, on a larger scale, mm-hmm. look at today, um, what the trans the you know what has happened with pepsi cola today in in terms of that brand mm-hmm. right? right and um, or the pepsi that, that company what their the, the breadth of products and the diversity of products that they've gotten in and when you listen to their ceo speak it's them actually tapping into the broader global community And figuring out what are people looking for and what are the trends, but they're recruiting people from those communities. That's where the product creation is coming from.
1: Uh huh. So, if for example, if you're looking uh, at either entering or getting a bigger chunk of the marketplace in, let's just say China, uh, it seems natural. To tap into the people who know China, who've lived there or who have worked there, um, to get their ideas, to get the sense of what might work, what might not work, also what what's missing and how how you can feel that need. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely.
3: But I think it can go further than that. Okay. I think we could we could be asking ourselves the question of, you know, again. We're we're no longer in a world where it takes years for something to happen in another country to be adopted here,
4: mm-hmm.
3: right? I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're really not talking years anymore. Right. And so, to me, we have to be we have to be ask we have to ask ourselves where is the world going now? <laughs> Let's figure out how we build products for the future. Because the product we created this year, most of, there is today, for most of our businesses, the, bar- the barrier to entry is very small.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Right? And right. so where does product creation come from? Product cre- creation generally is a collision of ideas from diverse okay. sets of people. And I want us to think beyond race. I want us to think beyond those traditional places. It's actually having just people with diverse experiences all in a room, giving them time and saying, here's the clear goal, here's what we have to create. And, and, and so answering your question specifically, I'm not sure if you – and people can do this for themselves. You know, Google any Indra Nuya story who is the PepsiCo CEO and you can go look and listen almost every brand they created or acquired was really came out of really design thinking
1: mm-hmm. right right
3: but they but they had to leverage very diverse sets of people on teams to say yeah this is the direction this is probably where this business is going to go in the future. And I think for us who are definitely, for those people who are in small to medium-sized businesses, we can adopt that and leverage the same kinds of, you know, high-level R&D that they're doing. We can do that with getting access to diverse people groups. And they also don't always have to be on our team. They don't actually always have to work for our company. We just so... Have to be, we just have to figure out ways to listen.
1: Okay. And so one of those groups that we need to listen to um, is the different generations. So what yeah. impact does generational differences have in the workplace? Um, and how does it play in your diversity strategy? And we have about three to four minutes. So... Um, You know, so tell us a little bit about that, and we may need to move on to that next segment, okay?
3: No problem. Yeah, I think when we think about um, the generational differences, I think we can obviously, um, we can somewhat stereotype people. Um, But, you know, when I think of both looking at, let's start with baby boomers, we know that. Generally, because of the things that happen to baby boomers, they're pretty resilient. Mm -hmm. We do need to ask ourselves, okay, when I think about hiring people, when I think about having people, having diversity on my team, I want that. Mm -hmm. When I think about Generation X, highly adaptable. I'm generally pretty confident. Millennials have a fierce ambition. Um, they're probably our best-educated population in history. So, again, for me, it's about asking myself not so much what's the negative, what's the positive, and then can I, can I bring that all together on a project? Can I bring that all together on a team? And then trying to help that team see where there's common interest. Where are we similar? Now, you notice that I said baby boomers, Mm -hmm. ability to handle crisis. Generation Mm -hmm. X, pretty adaptable. Mm -hmm. Millennials, fiercely ambitious. They're all, they seem like different traits, but they're similar. There's just... different ways that you, you experience it.
1: That's a very interesting um, idea that you, we use words like resiliency, adaptability, uh, fiercely uh, ambitious, ambitious, but yet it, there is a commonality. With, uh, there's, there's more
3: of the similar than dissimilar. <laughs> we just experience it different right from those people
1: groups so the experience is different but what what they bring is a, a, a set of common would you say skills or common perspectives or they're all
3: attributes
1: attributes right? right
3: yeah they're all attributes but they but they all kind of yes they all kind of collide to a skill set
1: ah well, I want you, I think this has been very um, educational for me because I hadn't thought of it that way, but now it is time for a short break. I'm Marcia Zidle, the Smart Moves Coach, and my guest is Telvin Jeffries, talking about diversity as a business strategy, and when we come back... Uh, Talvin is going to be focusing on how should small to medium-sized businesses think about diversity and maybe what are some current best practices. Um, You're listening to the Business Edge on Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. Mm
5: Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded best of staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1 800 411 6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1 800 411 6401 or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G dot com.
0: tuned into the business edge with Marsha's idol to reach marcia or her guests on today's show please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you can also send us an email to marcia at smartmovescoach.com now back to the business edge
1: Welcome back to the Business Edge. I'm Marcia Ziedel, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to grow great businesses that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest is Telvin Jeffrey, CEO and founder of Gistics, talking about diversity as a business strategy. And so, you know, we've been talking generally about diversity, talked about how big companies are uh uh dealing with diversity and now let's get to the small to medium sized businesses um, What are you going to tell them? how are they going to uh handle this and what and what are things that they need to know?
3: Well certainly you know most small businesses don't view diversity as a requirement which is uh which is which is which is good um I think I say first of all that we got to think about it beyond about beyond race, um, and, and so I, I, would, I would put that aside, and I think that's where most of the time um, that, that happens. The question gets to be, though, if I'm managing a small business, the question, does everyone one look like me? Is that <laughs> a disadvantage to my business or not? Right. Um, and, and that's a really good question, and I don't mean that in just race, but it may be in age. Did we all go to the same college?
1: Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. Right? Are we all from mm-hmm. the same fraternity? Do they all, you know, did we all go to the same church or temple?
1: Right. Um, mm-hmm.
3: um, you know, did we all serve, for example, you know, in in the military? I mean, that probably is a disadvantage to your business long term.
1: Right, and it's a, as you said earlier. It's co- it's um, our nature to feel the most comfortable with people who are like us rather than different. But it ha- it can have a real negative impact on your long term business. Yeah. Right. Secondly, so, you know, yeah. we,
3: m- we may be in a business where you know these are the, this is the team who brought us, and I'm a firm believer in dancing with the one who brought you to the dance. Mm -hmm. So then we have to ask ourselves, how do we think beyond the employees that we have? Mm
4: -hmm. Who
3: who are our independent contractors? Mm
4: -hmm.
3: What are Mm -hmm. the third parties that, you know, the, the vendors that we work with? Do they have access, one, to not only, you know, not only different ideas, but do they have access to a different audience that might help me grow my business
4: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, or a new way to think about my business? I will say for me, after spending lots of years in industry, you know, when you work for a $20 billion company, you come out and you think you know everything. At least I (laughs) did, And I realized I knew very little at all. And so there's a huge opportunity Um, to think about, and and I say all that to say that I have created new segments of business by spending time with people, quite honestly, that when I was in a big company, I would have never spent time with. Uh Uh The second piece that I recommend to small businesses or medium-sized businesses is to figure out how to create focus groups around either and people are willing to give you advice around a business problem. Mm-hmm. You know, when, I was, when I learned this in, in um, working for um, a, a large company in Wisconsin, we, we started doing hackathons where we gave a business. We invited a group of people to a room on a Saturday morning, and we'd give them a business problem, and we just fed them. Right. And we got the <laughs> smartest groups of people both in design, I mean, like design, not people who were business, people mm-hmm. who did design work. Then mm-hmm. we bought technology people and we bought business people and we had them all in a room. You get 10 and say, okay, here's our problem. Now let's, and we had someone facilitate and we said, well, let's think about, tell us how you would approach this problem. Amazing ideas come out of that. What that does is two things it helps you think. Differently, it helps your team think differently. And by the way, you might get a customer too out of it. Mm-hmm. You might have a new resource that you can leverage on a project to add to you doing doing more creativity. Or by the way, it just expands your network. And so those are those are two that I come up really quickly for people that I think can be big game changers.
1: And I totally agree with you. And I've had the same experience where I facilitated. And some of the things that, came, especially with production line workers, wow, it was fantastic, some of their ideas. So now we're getting towards the end of the show. And I do want to leave uh, our listeners with some very concrete things um, that they can do. So what are some of the current best practices in diversity?
3: Yeah, I think the the number one thing that we see today is that people are certainly moving on beyond compliance mm-hmm. and really thinking through how they do business and really making some concrete decisions about how they're going to facilitate creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and how they're getting very clear about who their customers are today and do they represent them in their business and then who they want to do business with in the future and do they have the intelligence on their own team to tap into that community. Mm -hmm. So it's not a compliance issue. It's real down and dirty. Can we do business? In the communities and with the people we want to do business with in the future.
1: Right. Um, um,
3: number number two, I would yeah. say that I that I think is really important um, is that there people are looking for really concrete ways, and you'll see this is a theme with me. Concrete themes for people to connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean ways for people to connect. And are you, one of the things we see today is a, a really strong push around, you know, in the, some of the larger organizations really push around affinity groups. My question would be, if I'm a small business, how do I duplicate that model? Can I actually create that? Um, do I have access to people? Do I have... Do I have a way to get people on my team access for networking and mentoring and socializing? And I'm going to say this as an African-American, for example, who lived in notably one of the most segregated cities in the United States at one time. Mm -hmm. The biggest problem I had was not necessarily with the people that I worked with in the daytime. It's what happened when I went home. I didn't have ways to connect with people who were going to be part of my tribe, my network, right, and create mentors for me. And they didn't have to look like me. They just had to want to be with me.
1: Right, right.
3: And so it really is really important. you know, we assume that when people leave the workplace that it's well, you know, I can't, I can't get myself involved in what happens after 5 p.m. But what happens is this, and, and we're going to talk about this in real practical terms. Me as the business owner, I take the people who are like me to golf.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But, the per- but the woman, for example, maybe she doesn't play golf or the other employee doesn't play golf. So when, when we come back to work on Monday. Mm-hmm. They're on the outside sure. mm-hmm. while they're in the inside.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It's really hard for me to engage and stay connected. So what am I doing to, help one, help them create connections? Because I have leverage points. I have relationships. Why not mm-hmm. let someone else mentor them? Why not help them facilitate that connection? Or do the activities that we have and the way that I do life, especially in a small business, Do I do it in a way, and this is the only place where I think inclusion is the word I like to use, Mm -hmm. am I really creating an environment that's holistic for them so that they feel included into my life if I'm the owner or if I'm the senior leader in this business?
1: And the one thing that I would like to point out, and we have about another minute or so, is... Yes, the notion of including them, but also being aware of their cultural issues or cultural beliefs or whatever you want to call it that make that may make them feel uncomfortable or not able to do to take part in what you're doing Wonderful. Um, and,
3: and I, I'm going to use a quick story, and it's a real story okay there's a gentleman who is uh, that that um I, we just did a video with around diversity, and he's a, he's a guy who was born with no hands. Right. And he and I, I and I point blank asked him how can I how do I shake your hand, and he said to me, "You're one of the very few people who ask the question," and it was really telling for me because it hit me. That his point was, everyone assumes that that's a question that they can't ask me. Right. But if you don't ask me, how do you know? And he said, what happens when you don't shake my hand or don't ask me? I feel, it puts, makes me feel bad. I'm wondering why you wouldn't want to shake my I'll hand. Shake
1: my hand. I think that is a great example to my question, but now uh, it's time to move on to, uh, first of all, I want to thank you so much, uh, Telvin. It, I, I've learned so much from you. I would love to have you back, but how uh, can you tell the listeners uh, how they may contact you and something about your business and kind of quickly?
3: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I can be reached um, via at www.anamazing.com. Conversation.com. That's mm. a personal webpage for me. Um, okay. And secondly, or it can be reached at ww.career That's the word career. And the word logistics. So that's C-A-R-R-E-E-R. G-I-S-T-I-C-S dot com. But I always tell people go to an an, A-N amazing conversations.com. It's easier to get me there. And then I can also be reached at area code by phone at area code 214-722-7543. That's 214-722-7543. So my business practice here in Dallas is primarily focused on helping companies actually connect to talent pools, and we do that by actually Trying to figure out what an audience really, really wants, Mm -hmm. um, and where do we find them, and where where do they live, where do they do life, and so one of the issues around the while I why why I speak on diversity issues is because we do know that the pool is shrinking for talent, and so we have to tap into these diverse talent pools. And so, and I'm uh, just going to have to. I'm very focused on that that space.
1: And I'm sure if if the audience want, they know how to contact you, but it's important that I get this piece in, which is next week's program to bring more magic to your leadership and business is the house call returns with a modern twist. Imagine applying the best qualities of a service like Lyft or Uber to healthcare, convenience, mobile accessibility, personal service and price transparency. My Guest is Dr. Jonathan Clark, who discusses how his startup, MED, delivers on-demand health care to patients in their home, office, or hotel through a simple mobile app or web interface. He discusses the broken healthcare system in the United States and how MED is looking to improve the patient experience. Tune in May 20th at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Thank you for listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel, the Smart Moves coach and speaker, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. Remember, to be successful, you must get outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Idol, the smart moves coach. Join us again next Friday, noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. Make the leap from a stressful to a successful business.